Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. This morning, I'm so grateful that you tuned in. I'm thankful for the start of a new week. Uh, aren't you? It has been a week like no other. I feel like this year has been a year like no other. We have had so many unprecedented events, and it has just been incredible. It seems like there's one thing after another, and, and my heart this week was just so incredibly heavy. Um, I, I just I, I didn't know what to make of everything that was going on in our country. And I really struggled this week with uh, what the Lord wanted us to talk about this morning and with what the Lord wanted me to address personally with you. And I, I just feel like, you know, there's there's something over the years that has been lost in our culture and in our society with the busyness of our schedules. They seem like they are just we're always busy, aren't we? There's always something that is consuming our time. But with the busyness of our schedules, with the increased use of technology, we're always connected. We, we are always connected, aren't we? We're always connected to something. It's always with us. We're always connected to the outside world. And so regardless of what's going on, we're always distracted. And I feel like in the midst of that, in the midst of our culture, there's so much going on that there is something so important. There is a key element that we've forgotten about. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I've always been interested in history. Just it's something that's always amused me. And I've always been intrigued by, by historical artifacts and just different things. And I come from a very long line of Irish storytellers. And so if you are ever at a family gathering of ours or you happen to run into one of our family members in the supermarket or, or on the street, wherever you happen to be, you're going to get a list of our genealogy that is going to be recited to you. And uh, if you happen to be at the cemetery where most of our ancestors are buried, you're going to get a, a walking history tour of each person that's buried there and what their contribution to our family was. You're going to get a lesson on how the family was established and, and where the clan chose to settle once they came to America. But there's a portion of history, of my family history, that I wanted to share with you this morning. And uh, there's something extremely significant in, in this portion of scripture, or this portion of history that I wanted to share with you this morning. And we're going to get into the word of God together in just a moment. The house that I grew up in has a history all of its own. In fact, in the 1700s, there was a man whose name was Jacob Ebal, and he purchased a tract of land, and on that, he decided to build a house and a grist mill. He was a millwright by trade. He was a miller, and so he decided to start this business there on that land that he had purchased. He, he entitled the land Overland in Bern. And so he started this grist mill, had the house built there, and the stone that was actually used to lay the foundations of the house were imported from England. And so it had a pretty rich history. So the, the house served there at the grist mill for years and then eventually operated as a post office. And so there's a lot of history there with the house that eventually years later came into our family. But one of the most significant stories that I remember hearing about this house was about a young girl who lived there and she became extremely ill. 
she was very near death. And so her father decided that he was going to call the preacher who was at the other end of the road to come to their home and pray for his daughter so that she could be well. So the preacher came to the house and he prayed for the little girl and the Lord healed her. And so the, the gentleman decided, you know what, he wanted to thank the pastor and, and just thank the Lord for healing his daughter. So he gave a plot of land to the preacher so that they could build a, a larger church building. And that church building still stands today. And what I love about that story is that something amazing happened in that family because a family altar was established within the confines of the four walls of that house. A miracle took place in that house because the father, the head of the household said, you know what, we're going to set up an altar. We're going to believe God for the impossible. We're going to believe him for a miracle. I could go on and I could share stories about how my grandparents were attending a church that needed a larger building. And so my grandfather running a sawmill donated a lot of lumber for the church to build a, a larger building. But while the church was being built, the people needed a place to meet. So they opened up a small little house, a summer house that's there on their, on their farm, and they brought in benches. And if you go in there today, you're going to find an old piano up against the wall and some old posters that have scripture on them. And the people met on the farm until that church building was completed. I love hearing these stories stories of our family's history. And I'm sure that you have stories that you've shared with your family and with your children as well. But you know, there's something that's so sacred and something that is so important with those conversations that we have with our families within the confines of our home. Stories that we pass down generation after generation around the dinner table, around the fireplace, wherever it is that you begin sharing them. There's something so sacred about that. There's something so special about those memories that you share. And so today I want us to look at something in our culture that I think we're seeing as a result of the family altar being neglected for whatever reason it might be. And we're going to look this morning at why the family altar is so incredibly significant and why it's so important. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to open them or turn them on and look with me at Joshua chapter 24. We're going to look at Joshua 24 and start at the first verse this morning. Joshua 24, starting at the first verse. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version today. Here's what it says. Joshua 24, verse 1. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and their judges and their officers. And they presented themselves before God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you so much today. Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us from generation after generation after generation. Father, I thank you that your hand is upon us, that you continue to provide for us, that you continue to protect us in the midst of everything that is going on in the world around us. Father, I pray today that you would heal our land, that you would heal our nation. Lord, as we join our hearts together this morning to dig into your word, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive it. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to our hearts from the truth of your word this morning. And we ask this in the most precious name of Jesus and God's people said amen and amen. We see in Joshua 24 that Joshua had gathered the people together at a place called Shechem. And what we're going to look at this morning, the first thing that we're going to look at is that the family altar is number one, an altar of 
remembrance. It's an altar of remembrance because at times it causes us to remember. It causes us to remember where we came from. And so Joshua calls the Israelites together and he reviews their history. He reminds them of how God led them, of how he delivered them from Egypt, of how he provided for them, of how he fought on their behalf. But the place that Joshua chooses to call them together, the place that he chooses to call them to remembrance is of such incredible biblical significance. The word Shechem in the Hebrew means shoulder or the seat of a person's interests. Today, it's referred to as Nablus. It's an area uh, that's not very heavily visited. They don't receive a lot of tourists, but it is still there to this day. And here's why this place is so significant. Shechem became the first capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. This was the first city that Abram came to when he followed God's command to leave his family, leave his homeland and go to the place that God would show him. And it was here that he built an altar. It was here at Shechem that God confirmed his promise to Abram and to all of his descendants. It was here at Shechem that Jacob came and journeyed from Padan Aram and he built an altar here. It was here that Jacob dug a well for his herds. It was here at this very place that Joseph was sent to check on his brothers and later sold into slavery. It was also here that Joseph's bones were later buried. It was here that Dinah was defiled. It was here that Jacob buried the, the idols of his foreign gods and committed himself to the Lord. And it was here at this place at Shechem that Moses, following God's command, brought the people of Israel after they had left Egypt to proclaim the blessings and curses of following or not following the Mosaic covenant. The people were divided into two groups. And so half of the people stood at Mount Gerizim, which was to the south, and shouted the blessings of God that would be upon their life and the lives of their children if they continued to obey the laws of God. The other half stood at Mount Ebal and shouted the curses uh, that would be upon them if they disobeyed the law of God. It was here at Mount Ebal at Shechem that Joshua built an altar and he inscribed a copy of the law of God on the stones there. It's here in John chapter four that many theologians believe that Jesus met with the woman at the well. And so it's here at this place of incredible biblical history and significance that Joshua calls the people together yet again after their conquest of the promised land to remind them where they came from. Because you see, the people had forgotten they forgot about their history. They forgot what God had done for them. They forgot that the only reason they were there in the promised land was because God had brought them there. And so they had forgotten and they began worshiping foreign gods, the gods of all of the nations that had surrounded them. And so Joshua calls them together to this sacred place for remembrance. I've heard it said that the family altar will alter the family. Isn't that awesome? The family altar will alter the family. Why? Because it's the rocks of the family altar that build the foundation for our homes, for our family, for our family legacy, that build the foundation for generations to come. The family altar is an altar of remembrance. 
And we see all throughout the Old Testament people who had set up an altar, who had set up memorial after memorial of stones to remind themselves of where God brought them from, to remind themselves of where they came from, to remind themselves of God's faithfulness. And these were sacred places for them. They were memorial stones. The family altar is an altar of remembrance, but the family altar can also be an altar of refuge. Take a look with me at Joshua chapter 24, starting at verse 11. Joshua 24, looking at verse 11. Here's what scripture says. The Lord is speaking and he says, you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the citizens of Jericho fought against you and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Girgashite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Thus, I gave them into your hand. Then I sent the hornet before you and it drove out the two kings of the Amorites from before you, but not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities which you had not built and you have lived in them. You are eating of the vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. The Lord calls out to them. He's speaking through Joshua and he says, listen, you have you have crossed the Jordan. Let me remind you for just a moment what I've done for you. You crossed the Jordan safely and I gave peoples into your hands. I drove out kings before you. And now I've given you a land that you have not had to work for. See, God was reminding them that all through history, his hand had been upon them, that he had been there for them from day one, that he had been with them in battle, that he had been with them during times of destruction. He was their refuge. They had been called to a place of remembrance to be reminded that God was their refuge and their strength. You see, friends, it's around the family altar that we share stories of God being our refuge in a time of trouble. And it's because of those stories being shared that we encourage each other, that we can move forward through whatever storm it is that we are facing. It's around the family altar that I can remember my mom sharing stories of how she was in a very dark place. And the only way that she made it out of that place and did not take her own life was because she knew in that very moment that her parents were praying for her friends that's a family altar it's around the family altar that i can remember my dad sharing stories of my grandfather going into the cellar of his home and storming heaven until my grandmother was healed from cancer it's around the family altar that I can share countless stories with my son of the faithfulness of God. Friends, the family altar is something that is so incredibly sacred. It's something that we have lost in our culture today, but it is something that is so crucial to the health and, and the well-being of our families for generations to come. We take refuge in the family altar. In Psalm 46, scripture tells us that God is our refuge and he's our strength. And he's what? He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. 
the world as it seems may be crumbling around us. It certainly seems that way, doesn't it? Especially within the past few months. But we know that God who promised us is faithful. Scripture says he who promised is faithful and he will bring it to pass. And so friends, we find our rest. We find our strength. We find our security in God alone. He is the refuge that we find in that family altar in scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, a city of refuge was a place of asylum for those who had accidentally committed manslaughter. And so it was a place that they could go and their safety was ensured. And friends, the family altar should be a place, a safe place where we can come and we can share our concerns. We can share our failures. We can share our mistakes, our worries, our anxieties, whatever it may be. We can share them with each other and we can be lifted up and covered in prayer. The family altar is an altar of remembrance. It's an altar of refuge. But friends, the family altar is also an altar of recommitment. Take a look with me at Joshua 24, verse 14 and verse 15. Here's what it says. This is Joshua now speaking to the people at Shechem. He says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in security and truth and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But then here's what Joshua says. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can choose which God you're going to serve. You can serve the gods, the foreign gods that your ancestors served. You can choose to serve the gods of the land that you live in right now. But as for me and my house, regardless of the choices that you make, we've made this declaration that we will serve the Lord. And when Joshua says that we will serve the Lord, he uses the word Yahweh, the word Jehovah. We are going to serve the one true God. Joshua said, choose, select, decide for yourselves who you're going to serve in this life, who you're going to pledge your allegiance to, these foreign gods with the little g or the one true king, the Lord of lords and the king of kings, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. You make the choice. But as for me, this is what I am choosing to do. I can remember several years ago when we lived in Pennsylvania, like clockwork, we had a, a young man, he was a Jehovah's Witness, and he showed up, it seemed like every Saturday morning, and he was just there faithfully at our door. And it did not matter what we said to him. It did not matter what scripture we quoted to him. I mean, this guy was just not breaking. He just, he was not going to convert. And we tried everything. And finally, I just got so tired. I said, Lord, I don't know how to get rid of this guy because I can't, I'm just, I'm witness to him. I witnessed to him. And I don't know what else to say to him. And I came across this little metal sign that had Joshua 24, 15 on it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I hung it on the front of our door, our front door to our house. And you know what? That man never came back again because we made the declaration. You can choose the God that you're going to serve. But as for us, 
we are going to serve the Lord. As for this household, we will serve the Lord. And I have that scripture posted uh, throughout the house. There's actually one right behind me. As for this house, we serve the Lord. You have to make that choice, friends. And that choice stems from that time around the family altar of recommitting yourself, reminding yourself of that choice that you've made to, to follow the Lord. Take a look with me at verse 16 through 18. This is the people's response to the command that Joshua has just given them to decide who it is that they're going to serve. The people's response in verse 16 says this. The people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us. I love that. He preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through those whose midst we passed. The Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And so they're remembering how God has been their refuge, how he has preserved them and protected them and delivered them up to this point. But I want you to take notice of verse 18. They said, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. You see what happens there? He is our God. They take possession of the fact that they're going to serve the Lord because he is our God. He's my God. He's not just the God of our ancestors. He's not just the God who brought them out of Egypt. He is our God because he has preserved us, because he has delivered us, because he has been faithful to us. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, if we want to bring up a godly family who shall be a seed to serve God when our hands are under the clods of the valley, then let us seek to train them up in the fear of God by meeting together as a family for worship. Don't you love that? By meeting together as a family for worship, we can bring up a godly family who will be a seed to serve the Lord. John Knox, in a letter entitled A Most Wholesome Counsel on How to Behave Ourselves in the Midst of This Wicked Generation, had this to say about family worship. He said, within your houses, I say some in some cases, you are bishops and kings. Your wife, children, servants and family are your bishopric in charge of you. It shall be required how carefully and diligently you have instructed them in God's true knowledge, how you have studied to plant virtue in them and to repress vice. And therefore, I say you must make them partakers in reading, exhorting and in making common prayers, which I would in every house were used once a day at least. You and I are responsible for the household that God has given us and responsible for setting up that sacred family altar. See, the people of Israel, when Joshua assembled them at Shechem, they recommitted themselves to following and serving the Lord. We could go on and, and we could read. This is the end of the book of Joshua. We could read a few chapters into the book of Judges in Judges chapter 2. And we know that in verse seven, the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all of the days of the elders who survived him. So that first generation after the death of Joshua continued to serve the Lord. They continued to remind themselves of who God was and what he had done for them. But the next generation in Judges chapter two, verse 10 tells us that the next generation that arose didn't know the Lord and the work that he had done 
for Israel. The next generation arose and did not know the Lord nor the work that he had done for Israel. What a sad verse. All of these generations, the Lord had provided and delivered and taken care of them. And now this generation arose that did not remember him or the work that he had done for their ancestors. And I just wonder this morning if it might not be because the family altar became non-existent. I wonder if it's because families chose not to tell the stories from generation after generation of what it was that the Lord had done for them. What a sad depiction of Israel. We know if we read on through the book of Judges that the people did evil in the sight of the Lord and that the Lord's anger burned against them. He forsook them and he raised up judges to deliver them in that time period. We can read in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, that there was no king in Israel. And so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We all know the trouble in that, don't we? Everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. We can see the effects of it in Proverbs 14, 12, that there's a way that seems right to man. But what? The end thereof is destruction. There's a way that seems right, but the end thereof is destruction. Friends, I believe that the greatest impact that we can have on our world today, that the greatest impact that you and I can have on this generation is to reestablish the family altar. And I'm not talking about setting up a shrine in your home. I'm, I'm not talking about setting up a, a physical location, but I'm talking about bringing your family together to pray, to read the word, to worship together, because it's from those times within the confines of your home that it spills out into your everyday life. And I want to, to encourage you this morning, make it a point to gather your family together. Maybe this morning you're, you're grown, your, child, your children are grown and you have an empty nest. Get together with your spouse and, and start that family altar. Maybe you're a single parent and you don't have that, that other parent parental figure in your home. Gather your children together. Establish the family altar. Let them know the importance of talking to the Lord, of pouring out their heart before him, of getting into the word of God. Friends, it is so incredibly important. And if we're going to see any change in our society, if we're going to see any change in our culture, it has to start within our home. It has to start at the family altar because let's be real for a moment this morning can we just talk a real for a minute today what's going on in our nation today has nothing to do with politics it has nothing to do with what side of the aisle you're on it has nothing to do with whether you're a republican or a democrat it has nothing to do with whether you support the current administration or you're against it it has nothing to do with race it has nothing to do with injustice it has nothing to do with whether you're behind the police or against the police it has to do with a little thing called sin and scripture tells us in matthew chapter 24 that in the last days lawlessness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. And friends, I don't know about you, but I believe that God has given the church a wake-up call. And I feel that right now, what is stemming all of these things, what they are stemming from is a lack of, of faith in God, the lack of trust in God, because we as a generation have failed to establish a family altar. We have failed to put those truths of God's word out into the hands of this generation that is rising up today. And we are seeing the results of it. But friends, it's not too late. I want to encourage you today, wherever you are, to establish the family 
altar and come to repentance. Bring your family to the saving knowledge of Jesus and let them know the importance of getting into his word on a daily basis. The family altar, friends, is an altar of remembrance. It's an altar of where God brought us from and his faithfulness to keep us today. It's an altar of refuge, a safe place. God is that strong tower that we can run into and be safe. And the family altar is that of recommittal. And maybe you're watching us this morning and you've grown up in church. You've been in church your entire life. But for whatever reason, you've kind of walked away from the Lord, regardless of why or what those reasons are. I want you to know this morning that it's not too late to surrender your heart and life back to Jesus. He's waiting for you, just as scripture shares the story of the prodigal son who ran off and just squandered everything that his father gave him. He comes back to his father to ask forgiveness. He just wants to work and uh, he's been living among the pigs and he just wants to work as a servant in his father's household because he thinks that's going to be a better life than the life he was living out on the streets. So he comes back to his father's household and he finds his dad running, running down the lane to embrace him. And he said, my son was was dead to me, but now he's alive again. Guys, that's a picture of what it is that God does for us when we've gone so far from him. He's waiting with open arms to welcome us back, to forgive us and bring us back into fellowship with him. And so if that's you this morning and you've walked away from the Lord. I want to encourage you that it's not too late. Scripture tells us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All you have to do is confess with your mouth that he's Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning, whether you're recommitting your heart to Jesus or you're committing your life to him for the first time. I want to pray with you this morning and give you that opportunity. And if you've made that decision today, we encourage you to go on our website, www.vccfmd.com. There's a little tab that says, I said yes. And you can click on there and you can let us know the decisions that you've made to follow Jesus. So we can encourage you and walk you through that process and what that life looks like. But friends, I'd like to pray with you this morning. Maybe you're watching us and you're following Jesus and you love him with all of your heart, but you've neglected to establish the family altar within your home. I want to pray with you this morning that God would show you how, how you can set that up, how you can establish that time with your family. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews, whoever it is that God brings into your life. I want to pray with you today that God would show you how you can effectively set that up in your home. Would you pray with me this morning? For those of you that are watching this morning and you've, you want to make that decision, you want to make that commitment to follow Jesus, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me and just simply say, Dear Lord, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I was born into a sinful nature and I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. But I believe that you are a loving and forgiving God. And so this morning I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of all of the wrongs that I've done. I ask you to come into my life. I believe that you came to this earth for me. That you died on Calvary's cross and three days later you rose again so that I could have eternal life. I ask you this morning to forgive me to come into my life, make me white as snow. Lord, I want to serve you in Jesus' name. Father, for those that are watching this morning that have made that commitment, Father, I ask that you would give them everything that they need to stand on your word, to stand on the truth of your word. Father, I ask that you remind them that they are your sons 
and your daughters, that you have welcomed them into your forever family. Lord, for those that are watching today that have neglected to establish the family altar within the confines of the four walls of their home, Lord, I ask that you would give them the wisdom as to how to effectively set up that family altar, of how to set up that time that they can devote to spending time with you and in your word. Lord, I pray for each of the families that are represented today, that God, you would allow us to share the stories of your faithfulness and your protection and your deliverance of how you have kept us with this next generation so that, Lord, they would not rise up like that second generation after Joshua that did not know you or the works that you had done for Israel. But, Lord, they would be like that first generation that served you with all of their heart and that, Lord, they would make that declaration boldly and with confidence as for us and our house. We choose this day to serve the Lord. God, that's the cry of our heart this morning. As for me and my house, we will serve you. Father, would you help us to do that? Would you help us to walk with integrity? Would you help us to be men and women of faith? Men and women who establish the family altar within our homes. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for all that you have done. We thank you, Lord, that you have been faithful to bring us to this place. Father, we thank you for the promises of your word, that all of your promises are yes and amen. Father, we lift up our nation to you today, and God, we pray for healing. I pray, Lord, that your hand would not leave us, that you would continue to protect and bless this great nation of ours. Father, would you forgive us for choices that have been wrongly made? Would you go before us and bring us back to you? Lord, we ask this in the most precious name of your son, Jesus. And God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. Friends, if you have questions about what we've talked about today or you'd like to discuss it further, I'd be happy to talk with you. You can post your comments uh, in, the, in the link below in the comment section. You can send us an email, uh, send us a message on Facebook, or you can go to our website and leave a comment there. Know that we love you. We are earnestly praying for you and for your protection during this time. And we are so looking forward to joining our hearts with you in person. Can you believe it? In person next Sunday, June 14th at 1030. I am so, so very excited to see you. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy your week and know that we're praying for you. We love you. We miss you. And we cannot wait until we get to see you face to face next week. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.